Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Listeners, this is the DOGS program. The Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools have been here for many, many years and will be here for many years more. That's because a- absolutely our true. Thank, thank you, Jean. Absolutely many, many years more. Yes. Uh, because uh, although there have been older generations who were once young, there are younger generations who are still young and full of the old fire in the tummy because our issue is just so important. There is the issue of whether or not a child, any child in this country, should have the right to a free, secular and universal education. It's a question of very basic educational opportunities and whether or not that right should be treated as a charity or as a commodity or something that can be bought by people who want to make profits out of the rights of children out of a thing called the education industry. Now, uh, over the years, the dogs have been very concerned about things like accountability and the basis of our democracy. Our democracy, and here I'll give you a history lesson, I suppose I was a history teacher, our democracy came out of a lot of bloodshed and battles for no taxation without representation, proper representation, no use of public monies without accountability from the, the elected uh, representatives of the people and also emancipation so that everybody had the vote, whoever they were. It wasn't just because you had property. Now, these are very basic principles, and another one is the principle that every child should be educated because we want to have very well-informed voters in our electorate, in our democracy in Australia. Another principle, of course, was the separation of religion and the state, which was the result of 400, 500 years of great bloodshed. And that, of course, is what's happening now in the Middle East. They're trying to sort that one out. We did sort it out, and it would be a tragedy. It is a tragedy that we are going back into those troubled times. But today I want to talk about accountability and transparency for public money because billions of dollars of our public money have been transferred into a system which is alive and well in our so-called democracy, which is actually anti-democratic, and that is the religious education system. The major one, of course, is that 
run by the Roman Catholic Church. Now, for the last 50 years, and I'm reading now from our press release 606, which is on our website at www.adogs.info. For the last 50 years, dogs have contended that privatisation or state aid for private religious schools means abdication of ministerial responsibility for the expenditure of taxpayers' monies. We have little trust in our political system at the moment. Uh, Unfortunately, the bastards aren't keeping themselves honest. But has state aid to private religious schools also meant the muzzling of the Office of the Auditor-General? This is no more apparent than in the provision of state aid for private religious schools. The public exposure of their financial affairs has been on the dog's agenda since the earliest days when we were established in the 1960s when the original needs policy of the uh, Schools Commission of 1973 was transformed into bottom-of-the-schoolyard schemes by the Catholic Education Officers. And they cut, these, these schemes cast the bottom-of-the-ocean taxation schemes of taxation evaders like Scase and Bond into the shade. Ray Nielsen, who was the president of the dogs in those days, in paid advertisements placed in national newspapers exposed these bottom-of-the-schoolyard schemes in which taxation dollars provided for poor parish schools. Remember those poor parish schools we all wept for? were diverted into new needy secondary schools in new suburbs. In other words, taxpayers funded the gross, uneconomic and inefficient duplication of state school facilities and then, then in the 1990s, state school parents suffered the closure of our public schools by the Kennett government. And the same thing happened in the ACT and elsewhere in Australia. Trevor Cobald of Save Our Schools and researchers at the ACER in the last few weeks have exposed the resources, arms race, indulgences of the private religious sector. And they've also exposed how the religious schools are getting a lot more state aid, actual taxpayers' money, than our public schools are. And of course, the other side are screaming blue murder. Finally, after much prodding, the Auditor General of Victoria is trying to have a look at what is really happening to our taxpayer dollars. And Farrah Thomason of the age of 28, of June, has told us that the Auditor-General Don Doyle has this on his agenda. And I'll read from her report. It's a very interesting one. This is what Farrah Thomason tells us. There's this extraordinary picture, by the way, of John Doyle. Uh, I'm not quite sure how to... Um, how to uh, describe him. He's got big ears and he's got a very large head which is bald and uh, he's looking into the camera but he does look as if he's quite a determined uh, gentleman. Uh, His name, John Doyle, is an interesting one too since there have been many people in the um, Catholic education system who over the years invented these bottom of the school uh, yard schemes by a similar name. Uh, They had a similar name down in Tasmania and elsewhere. Now, private schools in Victoria, according to Farrar Thomason, face a sweeping investigation into their finances with the Auditor-General, John Doyle, raising concerns there's not enough accountability in the way taxpayer funds are being spent. 
Four months after the Andrews government introduced new laws giving greater funding certainty to non-government schools, Auditor General John Doyle launched a probe into whether state grants are being used economically, efficiently and effectively. Goodness, he could almost be a member of the docks in the Catholic and independent systems. And in a rare public interview, Victoria's financial watchdog also revealed the following. He said that the government's unlikely to provide him with long-awaited follow-the-dollar powers until after he completes his audit of the East West Link, which may mean a second audit is required once the legislation is in place to ensure Victorians get the full story about the controversial, controversial road proposal. And he criticised the Education Department for poor record-creeping and... Uh, We are very uh, saddened to find out what has been happening in our education department, but it was not not unexpected after the way the minister and the various uh, governments in Victoria have treated the education department over the last 30 years. And he's also criticised the growing gap between the city and the country schools and the consistent failing to follow many of the recommendations that he'd made in previous reports. He's also warning that resources were becoming stretched in his office given the number of audits underway and the growing focus on government spending on infrastructure and information communications technology. But the government has rejected a request for additional funding in the May state budget. Uh, He's also said that the review of state grants to non-government schools is likely to be tabled by the end of the year. So he's looking at them. Mr Doyle said that more than $650 million in recurrent funding was provided to the private system each year from the state government, a lot more, of course, from the uh, federal government, billions from the federal government. But how the money was used was not routinely examined by the education department. Well, of course it's not, because it's examined by the Catholic Education Office, which is a law unto itself. And he also said there's quite limited accountability coming back the other way as to what the money was used for, how it was used, and whether it was effective. And the Auditor-General's latest annual report points out that six private schools closed in 2012-13 after experiencing financial difficulties, finding that it put additional pressure on the government school system to accommodate those students. It also placed these students at a continual disadvantage. And he's right, of course. If you privatise education and schools go to the wall then where are the students? They don't have any rights at all because education has become uh, the bottom line of the profit margin. And uh, that occurs as much uh, with with uh, organisations as like the Uniting Church as with the Catholic Education Office. Of course, the Catholic Education Office has much larger resources than the Uniting Church had. Um, the Auditor-General has also said that he... He, he, he said that given non-government schools were receiving public funds, the Parliament had a right to know how it was being spent. 
That is correct. Not only do they have a right to know, they have the obligation to find out and tell us as taxpayers. That is what the dogs are concerned about and it has never been happening, not since the Labor Party got into the federal government in 1972. Before that, with at least Malcolm Fraser as the education minister in uh, Canberra, you had some knowledge of how much the private schools were getting indirect grants from Canberra. But since 1973, it's been much, much more difficult. And we have to give Julia Gillard the um, the credit that she has set up the um, My School program and we can find out something, not everything by a long shot, but something on the new technology. Now, Mr Doyle's comments come six months after the Andrews government faced a backlash over new laws guaranteeing private schools would considerably receive at least 25% of the funding given to public schools. And, of course, it's a lot more than 25% of what goes into the schools because the whole of the education budget is then uh, taken into account. So they do very nicely, thank you, and they have been doing that very nicely for a long time. Now, while the government has defended the changes, teachers, parents and education officials accuse the Labor of betraying the principles of the Gonski funding reforms, which recommended a sector-blind system in which funding is allocated to students based on need. Well, listeners, there's never been an effective needs policy yet. The private schools since 1973 have turned any proposed needs policy into a greeds policy very quickly because they can do so, because there is minimal accountability from uh, that sector. Now, when they were asked about the audit, the Catholic Education Office Executive Director Stephen Nilder Um, said that the review presented him with the opportunity to show that they're already doing what is required. Well, that will be very interesting indeed. And um, he also claimed that they provided, quote, good value for money. Um, That also is a question. Um, There's a very interesting... uh, it's, It's a goiding, is it? A goading cartoon. A gentleman is asking Mr Doyle, what do you expect to find out from the audit? And he replies, hopefully no investments in a get-rich-quick scheme run by a Scotch college lad. So that is our press release 606 for this week. Uh, You will find it on our website at www.com info and um, you'll also find on our website quite a lot of material. There's some interesting material there on church-state separation and uh, you can also listen to our previous uh, 3CR programs if you go to the podcast on 3CR. So uh, that's enough for me for the moment. Indeed. Thank you very much, Jane. Thank thank you very much. And just to remind you again, sorry, Jane, to correct you, but the website is www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info if you want to pick apart what Jane just put forward as our latest press release. For three years, teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. 
Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. Our education is not for profit! Our education is not for profit! You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. We are the dogs. We are the defenders of government schools. And um, uh, what in the events of the last week, I have to say that I'm quite um, angry. I'm quite angry about something that happened last week, and I'll be sharing that with our listeners. Um, it relates to some, someone called Mr. Gonski, Mr. David Gonski, and um, what he said at a meeting at the Wheeler Centre in the week just gone by. I felt stunned and disgusted to be sitting in the audience to listen to him and his proposed solutions to the education problems of Australia. Uh, because Mr. Gonski is a complex character. We've in- examined his character and history here on the Dogs Program before. But the words that came out of his mouth, I think, do need to be shared because it gives a deep, deep insight into how the elites in this country view state education. Um, and that deep insight I find fundamentally disturbing. And later in the program, we'll be investigating, um, in, in a small way, uh, um, an incident that happened in Victoria a couple of weeks ago that related to some children in a state school, some girls in particular in a state school, uh, being told in no uncertain terms um, by a Christian person who had come into the schools to do religious instruction, being told as part of a booklet called Science and Facts that the science and facts were that if young girls had too much sex um, with too many different people, then nobody would want to marry them. Um, This is in a state school. Um, I've got some follow-up on that. It's a rather interesting, uh, well, I wouldn't say it's interesting, I find it quite distasteful. Um, It's a a rather distasteful event that I think needs to be investigated because a lot of people are jumping up and down about what's being taught to children in state schools. I've never been able to work out why nurse religious people are so interested in sex. I thought when you got to heaven uh, there was none of that. Yeah, look, I've I was seen, hoping there was I've seen the pictures of angels. It's, it's quite ambiguous, you know, all those Renaissance pictures of angels, whether anyone has sex in heaven. Um, you can't work it out by looking up at the Sistine Chapel, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I think that, yeah. Anyway, yes. it just saddens me that they, they get themselves so tied up in, such, in, mm. in it. Uh, by the way, i just like to say that um, our view of the Auditor-General... Uh, is uh, backed up perhaps a little bit. And I have to thank uh, Bruce for giving this to me from the Sunday age of July the 5th. Uh, Stephen Saunders O'Connor from the ACT responded to this news about the Auditor-General's probe into private school finances with a very interesting letter. The Auditor-General's probe into state funding for private schools is laudable, he writes, but wrong-headed. He's wasting his time looking for conventional measures of effectiveness. When the state gives over the tribute, private schools can pretty much do as they like. They can charge uncapped fees and discriminate in staffing and admissions. They aren't required to meet equity considerations that might benefit the general community. 
They can indoctrinate pupils and remove those who might drag down their average tertiary entrance scores. The real questions are political. Why is Victoria funding private schools at all when the federal government gives them $10 billion a year and has declared its preference for and allegiance to private schooling? Why has Victoria's per capita funding for private schools increased rapidly when its funding to government schools is nearly static? Why is its per capita funding for government schools the lowest in Australia? And with the supine support of Labor, the Coalition diverts more of its federal state education kitty to religious schools than almost any other advanced nation. Until Chile recently stopped funding private schools, I used to say it was the only other OECD country with a school funding system as rotten as ours. Uh, Yes, well, Stephen Saunders Uh, O'Connor, the dogs couldn't have put it better. Thank you very much for that letter. Thank you again, Jean. Um, You listen to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Now, I promised you just a little bit earlier I'd tell you about a particular experience I had at the Wheeler Centre, which disturbed me greatly. Um, Over the years now, because the Gonski report in um, education funding that came out in 2011, I think it was, after being commissioned by Julia Gillard in 2010, um, was chaired by a particular fellow. Uh, The particular fellow who it was chaired by was a fellow called David Gonski. Now, he's just written a book. Um, His book is I Gave a Gonski. It's an autobiography of himself. And I was interested, inter- oh, privileged enough, I suppose, to be turning up to the Wheeler Centre to hear, hear about him talk about this particular book that he's written, which talks about the, the life of a South African or child of a South African immigrant who came to Australia in the 60s, because that's what he was. And, of course, um, the name Gonski has actually been long known and respected, according to the Wheeler Centre, in business, arts and the philanthropic circles. Um, he's been awarded in Australia with an AC, and he's the former chairman of the Australia Council. Um, and he's currently the chairman of the ANZ Banking Group, Coca-Cola, Amatil, and the Sydney Theatre Company. He's also the vice-chancellor, or the, well, he's also responsible in large part for the New South Wales University, where he did his law degree, because he's a law lawyer. Anyway, I sat in the audience and listened to Sally Warhaft and David Gonski have a chat about him. Uh, the book, of course, is called I Gave Agonski, Selected Speeches, is a testament to the broad range of his particular interests. But I just wanted to focus on his, his responsibilities as the chairman of the funding review panel, the education funding review panel. Now, there are a couple of things he said which, which I just find deeply, deeply disturbing. It goes to the heart of the man and the way he sees the world. Uh, Gene reported several weeks ago that he had sort of certain ideas about the way rich people should behave um, to benefit poor people. And this was borne out in what he said. But he related an anecdote. And the anecdote he related specifically to education is he went to, he went to the western suburbs of Sydney and went to a state school out there, a little state primary school. And he said it was a ter- Well, he said the teachers were great and the principal was lovely. But the problem that the school had was getting kids to turn up. The problem that the school had was truancy. And he thought this was terrible. And, and he walked around and he shook his head and saw that the facilities were not very good and the, and the children weren't turning up. And he, was, he sort of nodded in a sort of beneficial way, I'm sure. Instant when he was, expert. 
Well, no, of course. But then he went to a school down the road, which, which he says comes, you know, it's in the same suburb, draws from the same, same kids. And this school was, was the local Catholic primary school. The local Catholic primary school, Mr. Gonski turned up and he said to the principal, you know, obviously you have problems with truancy as well. And the Catholic primary school principal smiled and said, oh, no, no, not at all. Here. We've already got rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, this was the thing. Um, thank you, Jean. You've just sort of taken the punchline away because I think this is one of the fundamental issues uh, with David Gonski viewing education. Um, and his viewing was that there's these two schools and apparently they come from the same place and have the same kids and one is all very good and happy and healthy and... He listened to their music department. They had a music department. He listened to the kids play. He wasn't very interested in the music that they were playing. Um, he was quite happy to say that they were playing rubbish music. Um, but they were playing, and he was all very happy, and it was wonderful, and everyone was very happy and nice in the Catholic school. But the state school, oh no, no, things were terrible there. They couldn't get the kids kids to turn up. Now... He said, look, this, this is what he, he'd found, that you know, state schools were, were doing badly and Catholic schools and various other private schools were doing well. And, and why was this? He said, oh, there's, there's an equity issue. And if you read the Gonski report, he does highlight this. But because Gonski, as part of his education review process, took what they call these days a sector-blind approach. I would call it sector-blind. I actually call it stupid-blind just stupid. If there is an issue that is fundamental to the nature of equity when it comes to education in Australia and you do not look at it, you are in fact stupid. Um, so what happened was that David Gonski noticed this was the case and brought it to the attention of the, uh, of, of, of the state minister in charge at the time, which was Mr Piccoli. And Mr Piccoli came out and, and um, he fixed everything up in the state school because Mr. Gonski had noticed it, because Mr. Gonski is a very powerful man, and if he notices something, the education minister should fix it up. Now, Mr. Gonski hasn't been back to school to check. He's not that interested. But he, said, he says that he will one day go back to see. And where did he go to school? He went to a, a good private school in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Yes, and he was, he was actually in this talk saying, well, yes, back in those days, it was, you know, Scott's College in Sydney, but he said, oh, but, you know, the, the buildings weren't that nice. It wasn't, it wasn't that nice when he went there as opposed to the way it is now. But this, I mean, this is just an age-old story. I mean, the fact that you've got two schools servicing the same area, one school has the proper, appropriate values that you would expect from a government-funded school, which is a state school, which is they take all comers, and then you have another school, which is also government-funded, but is exempt from the anti-discrimination laws of the country and can get rid of all the kids it doesn't like. So you create a structural apartheid system based upon the income of parents. Now, Gonski was very quick to point out that the fees in the Catholic school were quite low, but that doesn't actually take away the, not sector-blind, but the sector-appropriate measure, which is probably one of the differences, between the schools, which is the private school, the private school, the Catholic school, has an exemption from the laws of the Australian country. They can just kick a kid out. Now, of course, because they're a Christian school, they won't do it meanly. They'll say things like, perhaps your child's educational needs will be better served elsewhere. No. And they can use all the right words. But basically, you have a school which has the ability to take taxpayers' money and kick out people it doesn't like, and you have the ability of our school, which is funded by taxpayers, which, of course, has proper values, some would say Christian values, of taking all comers and giving them the best education that they can. So, 
I would firstly say that Mr. Kogonsky, pointing out this example in his book and then talking about it as part of what he's doing to sell his book, called I Gave a Gonsky, said Mr. Gonsky, um, he's, he's, he's pointing out the problem without referring to, to, to the sectors um, in any meaningful way. I think it's just a way of misstating the problem, which is stupid. No, bless oblige, I think it's well, that's where, Well, that's where... It, no, 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 Jane, you see, that's where it comes... That's where it comes to, because his solution that he proffered to this particular question, and he was quite upfront about this, he thinks the solution, and I'm going, to, I'm going to take some time over this, because this absolutely shocked me. In fact, it disgusted me a bit. He thought the solution to the problems of that particular state school and state schools around Australia is to allow philanthropists to be able to give money to state schools to make them better. That will solve the problem. Philanthropy is the solution to all our social ills. Now, it's interesting. He actually misquoted some Greek. He said, education, he said, educare, comes from, 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 from the Greek. He said, it means to lead out, to lead, because he's a leader, you see, so everything's all about leadership. It's actually not. It's to bring out, to draw out which is what education is all about. Well, he's interested in about drawing out money from rich people, probably in Sydney where he knows them, but maybe around the country, getting them to give money to state schools because they're rich, um, and that will improve our education system. Noblesse oblige, as you quite rightly say, Jean, is the solution to our problems of education here in Australia, according to Mr David Gonski. Mr. David Gonski, who is the chairman of the report, the Gonski Report. Mr. I, I really don't think that public education should depend upon Mr. Gonski feeling good. His uh, wellness, uh, feeling goodness um, quotient, is, uh, public education shouldn't depend upon that, Robert. Public education should depend upon the rights of children to the common good and the common treasury, uh, that is... Uh, the commonwealth, I would even say. Yes. It's, a, it's, yeah. it's actually up there in the Constitution. Yes, yes It's a yes. word that has meaning. It did have meaning, and hopefully it continues to do so, but not according to Mr Gonski. And it is the responsibility of the states. It is. That's in the Constitution under Section 51. And it's time that that responsibility was taken seriously. And if it's the responsibility of the states, then they should have the power to tax. They should have the income tax power come back to them because the federal government's just not doing the job for public education. And that's what Mr Andrews should be fighting for, not giving what little money... Uh, Victoria's got to the Catholic Education Office to buy their votes. Oh, it's it's, it's absolutely... I mean, well, one of the Gonski panel members, um, Ken Boston, refused to actually stand on the stage at the same time as James Berlini. He was so disgusted at what the state government's done in taking money away from state schools and giving it holus bolus. No needs base. They just get it, whether they need it or not. Just money given off to the Catholic Ed Education Office because there is obviously some very special relationship between the Labor state government and um, the Catholic Church. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, th there, is, there is a relationship, and I would say it would be, inverted commas, a special relationship that allows these things to happen as one of the first acts of a Labour state government when it comes into power. Um, I don't actually think Labour and Liberal matter because I think the Liberal government did exactly the same thing as one of its first acts when it came into power. It's follow the money, which um, the Auditor-General is in the process of doing. 
It's an all rather interesting process. But I, I was just absolutely stunned. I'm absolutely stunned that the social contract that is supposed to be at the core of what we often consider to call Australian values would probably go back about as far as 1948, post-Second World War, where in Australia there is at least a sense of egalitarianism, whether it exists in practice, at least there's a sense. Gonski's just abandoned that rhetoric. He's just, he says, no, 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 no. Rich people, rich people um, should give money to poor people so poor people can become educated and if they're educated. And, well, so they and, should, and, but and, through and the this, taxation this, system. This, 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 I, this, the bit that gets me, and, and, and please let me finish, the bit that gets me, he says, because if the rich people don't, then the poor people might get a little bit upset and then a little bit more upset. And then, who knows, we might even have social upheavals with all these smelly poor people who have been poorly educated. But, you know, the way you solve that problem, says David Gonski, is to make sure that the rich people give money in terms of noblesse oblige. There should be, uh, if you're rich, then you should have some streets named after you or some buildings named after you because feeling good about philanthropy and giving to the poor not only makes you feel better, but it actually um, potentially can stop a revolution, um, a revolution, because he does, in, as, as, as Jane has pointed out in the past, kind of live with this idea of courtiers. Pre-French pre, um, pre Revolution, pre-Enlightenment, mm. um, yeah, very interesting, uh, given mm. his actual uh, background. Well, I'm actually furious because he's talking about a very different social contract mm. to the contract that I've given, I've grown up in. The social contract that I grew up in was that, well, my parents paid tax, and when I could, I paid tax, and as part of that, there are certain public services which I expect to be delivered to me, not for free, but to be delivered to me free of corruption, and appropriately, not just to me, but to the, all the citizens of Australia. Gonski's not talking about that. It's, it's, it's pre-democratic what he's talking about. He's talking about pre-humanistic ideas. He's talking about philanthropy being a way of initiating some form of social control. He's talking about philanthropy being one of the pillars of a state education system. Now, this is the man that wrote the Gonski Report. This is the man that everyone thinks is good. I'm sorry, listening to him talk like this, it just... Was there any reaction, Robert? Oh, there was a reaction, yes. Several people in the audience got up and said that he should go into politics and become Prime Minister because he's such a nice fellow. Oh, I just... Oh, yeah, well, put, put Did way. anybody else uh, point out that perhaps education shouldn't depend on philanthropy? No, no, there was a few constitutional people wandering on about talking about... Oh, I can't remember what it was. Well, perhaps they, I should have and gone And a few you. people, to rapturous applause, thought that he should, he should become the Prime Minister. But I was sitting there stunned, somewhat disgusted and stunned. That this Perhaps man I should have gone with you, Robert. Was, well, put it this way, the microphone didn't get to me. I stood up and demanded it, but they wouldn't give it to me. And I'm not quite sure they would have given it to you, although, Jean, you, you, you do appear very meek and mild. Maybe, th- maybe they thought you could have been a sycophant as well. I certainly didn't look like one at the time. My face was full of thunder because I was stunned, shocked and disgusted. Well, at least we've got 3CR where you can report on this, Robert. And I found it a, a wee bit distressing that the teachers and the parents who are uh, promoting I Give a Gonski campaign uh, have perhaps been somewhat misled with what Mr Gonski was really on about. And not Mr Boston, and not Mr Doyle. And it's very interesting that there is still uh, some some memory in our community of what really things are 
are about, that we were once a democracy with representative um, governments that had an idea of what rights meant uh, that was in our constitution. But unfortunately, somebody like Judith Sloan and other people uh, in the Australian don't seem to understand uh, just what a democracy and a taxation system and a common good and a commonwealth are really about. She is very upset that the idea which was leaked a couple of weeks ago, you might remember, that the wealthy people who send their children to public schools should pay fees, she is very miffed that this um, uh, leak was killed as quickly as it was. Uh, She writes that there's something very depressing about the present environment in which policy options are leaked deliberately to close down debate. She wants a bit more of a debate on this one because uh, she doesn't believe, obviously, in free public schooling. She says that it might be free at the point of provision subject to the contributions uh, that she has noted... And um, she claims, of course, that uh, there are state schools in which you do have the wealthy or at least the middle classes um, uh, putting their children, particularly in New South Wales in the uh, selective high schools. But she wants it all to be means-tested. She wants means-tested public school fees so that financial redistribution can be built into the design of public education. So she thinks that really all that matters is a needs policy. Needs policies, as we have always pointed out, very quickly turn into greeds policies. The problem is that the wealthy in Australia have never wanted their children to be infected by children from poor families. They want their children to be separated out and given that little bit extra and the networking that will keep them in the uh, upper reaches of society. Isn't this sad? We are supposed to be an egalitarian country and yet we are playing up again and again and again, not only to the middle classes that want to divide our country, but to the noblesse oblige people uh, like Mr Gonski who see themselves as courtiers and also as aristocrats in an ancien regime. Uh, they perhaps see us going back to a quite different time in the 17th century of France and uh, Italy and England. Yes, Jean. I mean, it's it's strange because I'd like to think you're talking in terms of metaphors. <laughs> I'd, like you th- I'd like to think in terms of, of metaphors, in terms of what these people are doing, but it's not. It's actually starting to become reality. It's, it's actually starting to become what the world is at the moment, certainly when it comes to public education in Australia. You're listening to The Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. It's been wonderful to have your company with us so far. But there's a few more issues I think we need to deal with because that's what we do here at The Dogs Program. We deal with issues. Um, we had last week a wonderful guest in the studio uh, and then after that, of course, a wonderful book launch um, uh, for Meg Wallace, who wrote a fascinating book, which is Freedom from Religion, dealing with issues of separation of religion from the state, which in Australia seems to become more and more a problem because various uh, courtiers 
courtiers, as Jean would say, uh, that represent um, radical religious interests seem to be having a great deal of sway in our federal sphere and our state sphere as well. Now, the question of separation from religion and the state um, has been brought to a head in Victoria in a very concrete way, as I mentioned earlier in the program. There was a series of incidents in a state school, which is a secular school, where a bunch of people came into the school from City Life Church and used materials which are produced, uh, published materials that are produced by City Life Church while instructing uh, the children in this state school about religion. Now, the content of these uh, particular um, booklets, which were given to the students and the students took home, um, was considered to be quite objectionable uh, by at least one parent and probably more. Um, but one parent got so grumpy, she contacted the Fairness and Religion in Schools people, who then contacted the Age, who then put it on the page three, and it became a big story. Um, and a lot of people are worried about what's going, what's actually going on in special religious instruction in state schools in Australia, and certainly what's going on in state schools in Victoria, because. What the content was, of course, that um, if young girls have too many sex with too many people, they become like a piece of sticky tape that loses its adhesion and so therefore can never find themselves a good husband. And, well, I mean, I find that objectionable just as a point of view. But what I find particularly objectionable is that the cover of this book, the, the name of this booklet was called Science and Facts. And this whole metaphor of young girls, not young boys, young girls becoming pieces of worn-out sticky tape was borne out by what this booklet proffered as scientific facts, uh, which, of course, is rubbish. So um, the trouble is that if a girl in Year 7 is presented with this, with this material and on the front of the cover there's science and facts and they're presented by someone in the state school, then... Yes, yes, it's, yes, it's good for, for children to sort of do critical thinking, but if you're, if you're given a, a textbook, you don't, have to, I mean, you don't have to indulge in critical thinking about the truth or otherwise of the title of a text. Why would a girl in year seven, she'd have so many much better things to even be thinking about? Or learning about that's mm. this, this is quite intrusive and improper. Well, yes, well, of course, the book then went on to talk about the evils of hugging. Um, which I just, or hugging boys in particular, I'm sure hugging girls, um, I have no idea. Um, I didn't, I sort of dealt with those things. And yes, I have read the, the text in, in, involved, and it's just really quite disturbing. It uses, uses pseudo-scientific terms in, in, in quite inappropriate ways. So I, I suppose we're, I'm getting into a bit of detail, but my main objection is not that something stupid has been said in a textbook presented to a child as part of special religious instruction. It's the title of the thing. It's sort of mixing up religious indoctrination by, by calling something science and facts. Well, this, this material, as it was produced um, and presented to these kids in a state school, was produced by a group called the City Life Church. Now, the City Life Church is a very large religious institution that um, exists in the east of Melbourne, just off the Eastern Freeway. Um, and they have, they have an interest, they have an interest, or one would say spiritual, but I would also say financial, in um, gathering together as many followers as they possibly can. And the objection is, of course, that the City Life Church produces these materials and presents it to kids in state schools. But I put it to you, dear listeners, that the City Life Church runs its own school. In fact, it runs its own school. It's quite a large school. 
the name of the school that the City Life Church runs. Um, it's part of their mission, as they would say. I haven't checked out their website and done some research. The name of the school that City Life Church directly runs, that is, its next door, is the Waverley Christian College in Wontona South in Victoria. Um, the Waverley Christian College um, has an enrolment of almost 1,500 students. That's a great deal. But the thing is that this booklet is produced by them and it's obviously got the title Science and Facts. My question is, is this book being produced in the Waverley Christian College with the title Science and Facts and presented as part of the science curriculum within this school? Where are my taxes going? Well, actually, I'll tell you not just where they're going because they, I'll tell you how much is going, Jean. And this is the Waverley Christian College. It's actually part of the mission of City Lights Church, which produced this document, which I assume is available to their students. The City Life Church in 2013 received some money from both the federal and state governments. I can tell you actually how much money this school, which is part of the mission of City Life Church, received. From the Australian government, the Australian federal government, this school received $7,722,060 per annum. That is for one year. So $8 million of your taxpayers' money. Um, that's about whew, 30 cents per taxpayer in Australia. That's indirect grants. That doesn't count in oh, all the indirect grants oh, and capital I, oh, grants. Oh, I haven't finished yet, Jane. Oh, right. I haven't finished yet. That's what it receives from the federal government. That's this one school that produced this booklet that had what I consider not just offensive but erroneous information. Um, from the state and territory governments, in recurrent funding, that is per annum funding, they receive... 2189000 Now, in terms of the fees and charges, of course these parents send their children to this Waverley Christian College. They've got to cough up as well. And they cough up, between them, all these parents, around about 8944000 So in terms of money that is used to fund this school, much more than half of it, much more than half of it is funded by the taxpayers. So we've got this sort of whole process where the Australian government and the state and territory governments and other and other sources excluding as you say capital grants so excluding capital grants and exemptions and because it, this place is a charity remember? oh definitely a charity and they and for char and these booklets are being produced for charitable purposes but something i found particularly interesting because when you look at this school that's producing these booklets that has both, I think, offensive and erroneous information and distributing it to the kids within this school, no one seems to care about this just, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure the parents think it's a wonderful thing that it's happening, and I'm sure the parents can tell their children whatever they want about sticky tape and, and young girls and sex in, in the privacy of their own home. But what I'm saying is that we're paying for this. I'm paying for it. You're paying for it. And, dear listeners, you're all paying for it. But I just think there's a little bit of sting in the tail, a bit of a... What on earth is going on here? There's little added information, and that is the way they spend their money. The way they spend it, which would be capital expenditures. And this is the capital expenditures in the year 2013. Now, the capital expenditures for this particular school in 2013 involved a very large figure, which was $10 million. And that was the school taking out a loan. The school is deliberately going into significant amounts of debt at this time in, in 2013. I'm not I sure. I think part of the resources arms race. Indeed, 
And we pay, well, we pay for that the interest on that debt. You understand? Of course, of course, of course. A very. I mean, in in terms of their expenditure, that's not necessarily spending the money on the kids. That's not taking taxpayers' money and then actually spending it on their education. They're taking out a big new loan. Now, you're also telling me that this school is next door to their church. Absolutely. So, ah. And, there, and, and the of church course, is part of it. All and this. the facilities of the church are used by the students and yeah, the facilities and vice versa. Vice versa. Yes. Yeah, so, let's get back to Section 116, I would say. There's a lot of interesting things going on down at Waverley Christian College. And with any luck, the Auditor General might have a good look at them. Uh, not in educational terms, producing material that is offensive to some and definitely erroneous because <laughs> we don't quite live in a post-truth world yet. So I just thought I'd just a little investigation from the dogs about one school which is run by one church which has produced one booklet which uh, has hit the news just lately. This is We're just scratching the surface. It's here, symptomatic of a we're much, much bigger surface. problem. Yes. yes, indeed. We're just scratching the surface here on the Dogs Program on 855 on the AM Dial and Indeed podcast. If you're interested in what we're saying, you, of course, can go to the 3CR website and at the 3CR website you can listen to this program again. Or if you're interested in examining what we're talking about in detail, you can have a look at us. Please feel free at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. Well, Robert, thank you very, very much. Uh, As our listeners are aware, in the last few weeks there has been uh, reports on the actual funding, the facts and the figures, and the SOS people and also the ACER people have been coming up with figures which, surprise, surprise, indicate that public schools have fallen behind very much in the funding stakes. Uh, there is a, a new paper published by the Save Our Schools with Trevor Cobalt called Increasing Inequity in School Funding 2009 to 2013. And they um, indicate that the government funding for public schools is in dire straits. Uh, new figures that they presented to the Senate estimates recently by the Australian Curriculum Assessment and Reporting Authority show that, adjusted for inflation, governments have cut funding for public schools across Australia since 2009 while increasing funding for Catholic and independent schools. And this, of course, includes the uh, Labor government, the Gillard government. The total government, federal and state territory funding for public schools in Australia fell by 1.9%, that's $224 per student between 2009 and 13, while funding for Catholic schools increased by 8.1%, that's $716 per student, and by 8%, which is $574 per independent school student. The figures have been adjusted for inflation to allow a comparison of the quality of human and material resources provided to schools over time. Now, the largest declines occurred in Victoria... Western Australia, Tasmania and the Northern Territory. There was only a small decline in New South Wales, but funding for Catholic and independent schools even there increased. In Victoria, government funding for public schools fell by $650 per student, that's minus 6%, while funding for Catholic schools increased by $947 per student. Madness, madness. 11.3%. And 
dollars per independent school student. That's eleven point one percent. Now, this is at the time that, in fact, there is proof that the public school students on NAPLAN and other tests are doing better than the children in these private schools. So there's something very odd about all of this. Small increases in funding for public schools occurred in Queensland and South Australia, but these increases were far outstripped by increases for Catholic and independent schools. Only the ACT had similar funding increases for public Catholic and independent schools, although in percentage terms the increases for public schools there were well below those for Catholic and independent schools. Now, this is at a time that we've had Gonski reports. So Mr Gonski, with his philanthropy, the philanthropists haven't come forward, have they? And the governments haven't come forward either. No, no, I don't want them to come forward. I I don't want to sit there and doff my cap, tug my forelock to some bloke who might or might not, bloke or woman, who might or might not want to give money to my local state school. No, the social contract in Australia is not that contract. I do not depend on the noblest oblige of someone who might or might not give money to my school if they want to get their name on the gymnasium. I don't want charter schools here in Victoria. They can stay away. Well, they haven't worked in the United States. Private colleges, private TAFE colleges in the United States have have, um, really, they're in real trouble. The Corinthian colleges are in real, real trouble with everybody passing the buck and the students who have suffered and have got meaningless pieces of paper in trouble. No, we don't want all of the mistakes of the privatisation people here. Oh, Jean, there is only one number that means anything when it comes to a successful ed- education system for a nation. I mean, I'm not talking about the education of your child out there. I'm talking about the education of the children. There is only one number that matters, and this is the number. And I'm going to be a statist- statistician here. There is a correlation in Australia between how much your parents earn and how well you're educated. It's a number, and it's a strong correlation in Australia. If you come from a wealthy family in Australia, there is a very good chance that your quality of education will be correlated to how wealthy your parents are. If your parents do not have a lot of money, there is a strong correlation to how poorly you might become educated. Now, I'm sorry, listeners, this is just something that is true in Australia. It's not something that was always true in Australia. And civilised countries, civilised countries get rid of that number. Civilised countries have education systems where there is a very small correlation, a very small number that relates to how much money your parents earn and how good your education is. If we as a nation strive to get rid of that number, if we as a nation strive to take that number away, then we as a nation can stand up and say we have a successful education system. We have a land of egalitarianism. We have a land of opportunity. We have a land where the largest number of people in this country are educated to the highest possible standard. Go away and stop whinging. That's not a number that we have at the moment, and that's the only number that needs to be measured. Gonski's not interested. No, never was, and I'm from, and from what I've heard, has no interest. Christopher Pye's not interested. He's interested in mooning in an emotional way over the private school system. And the Labor Party here in Victoria, by their actions in giving money to an educational institutions that by definition can throw away the kids they don't like, aren't interested in changing this number... We here at the dogs are, though.
we here at the dogs. The Open. really sad figures are, or the really sad situation is that it's not just the federal government; it's also the state governments that have let down the public schools for which they are responsible. Now we know that Dixon here in Victoria was a disaster. But Merlino and Andrews are very little better. And given that the Labor Party is in fact no longer a Labor Party, or it's not a Labor Party worth the name, the Labor Party is no longer interested in uh, democracy and no, the welfare no, no, of no, the many. No, is, it any, is it any wonder that the Greens vote has skyrocketed in recent months. It is now sitting at about 16%. So people are not silly in Australia. No, they're not. The and public system has done a come, great job a in educating will come, A time children. will come and we will have to actually start holding the Greens to account for what they just say and yep. what they do. You've been listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR, 855 on AM dial and indeed podcast. We are the defenders of public education. And we really do appreciate our regular listeners. And if you're a new listener, then you're getting a flavour of because we take on the establishment, be it Mr Gonski sitting in his chair <laughs> or be it indeed government, state and federal, because that's what 3CR allows, three community radio, three. I'll tell you what, there's no correlation between the income of um, the parents' incomes of presenters here in 3CR <laughs> and, and how popular their programs are. I'd suggest that it'd be the other way around. Um, it's been wonderful having your company, um, and we'd love to hear from you, um, or hear, or hear from you, actually, if you have any, anything to um, contribute to the program. Um, you can contact us at our website, www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. But until next week, um, it's bye for now. Bye for now. Sandy Diego, 
up to Maine in every mine and mill where workers strike and organize. It's there you find your hill. It's there you find your hill. I dreamed I saw your hill last night. Alive as you and me, says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. Sir. Uh-huh.